If you're listening to Polygon's quality control, it's likely because you don't have time for below average games. So why settle for the same old average investing tool? Now there's a smarter way to manage your money and it's called Betterment. Betterment uses cutting edge tech to build a personalized portfolio and help you make more from your investments. Don't settle for average investing, demand better. Betterment, outsmart average. Quality control listeners can get up to one year managed free by visiting betterment.com slash quality. That's betterment.com slash quality. Investing involves risk. My guests today are Tara Long and Jenna Steber. My name is Charlie Hall, and today we're talking about Fallout 76. You're listening to Polygons, quality control. Ladies, thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. You got a lot of work to be done over there on the video side of the house. But how are things, Jenna? Uh, pretty good. I've got the Fallout 76 itch. It's under my skin. <laughs> the swamp itch, to be clear. I've got the swamp itch. And it's not holding either of you no, back, is it, Tara? Definitely no. not. <laughs> yeah, we've survived this. We can survive any of the horrible diseases in Fallout 76. I also uh, have a little bit of the itch as well. I, I'm interested to see how this Fallout 76 pans out. It's not too far away. It's coming. It's going to get released on November 14th, which seems real close. Tara, what is Fallout 76? Explain this to me. Oh, boy. Uh, where do I start? Um, so it's, I guess, not... I don't know if they're sort of positioning this as a full Fallout game, since... Typically, it takes way longer between Fallout games for like a real one to come out. But from what I understand, this is the, at least the concept of this game has been in the works for a very, very long time. Um, and to me, I guess the big question is, does it feel like a Fallout game? Uh, and I have to say, to me, it really does. And I say this as somebody who wasn't super keen on Fallout 4. Um, to me, Fallout, the Fallout series has always been mostly about the world. Um, the story and the combat and everything else are kind of secondary to me. And I think that's maybe what didn't grab me about Fallout 4 was that I just didn't find the world or the environments very interesting. And I, I kind of feel the opposite with Fallout 76. Like I've been playing every beta session that they've had so far, and I have to say that I'm really enjoying it. Jenna, it's it's a multiplayer game though, right? It's it, yeah. Bethesda makes these massively single player universes. How does the multiplayer manifest itself in this game? So you have the option to PvP, and you have the option to not PvP. In fact, I'd say the game is actively discouraging you from engaging in combat, um, which I appreciate as somebody who just wants to sort of hang out in Fallout and make glowing fungus stew and not have to fight anybody. <laughs> I think this is, um, sorry, I'm I'm going to butt in and say that um, Jenna no, no. and I have Do been it. kind of doing two different play styles when we've been in the betas where I've been pretty much soloing it the entire time. From what I, from what I understand, you've been playing mostly with Simone, right? Yeah, I've played a bunch with Simone and even when I'm not playing with her, I, I'm trying to stick around other people to sort of feel out how those interactions are going to play. I, I'll say because it's still the beta, the worlds do feel big and empty still. 
even with other people. And I don't know if that's because the servers just aren't up to uh, up to maximum or if the world is so big and people get so spread out that you just don't see a lot of people. Wild. Well, I want to I want to return some more to the, the multiplayer and the PvP aspect of this. But since you brought it up, Tara, I want to kind of zoom in on on this. This does it feel like a Fallout game. I also had my issues with Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. Boston Me was too, a, a marvelous place. <laughs> it was a marvelous place, but it felt more like walking through an amusement park to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. You had all of these famous landmarks, spaces that I had visited as a tourist. You know, I've been to DC as well, but for whatever reason, it felt more lived in in DC. It felt more authentic to the Fallout universe in DC. What makes this interpretation of West Virginia resonate for you, Tara? So I think a lot of it has to do with um, the fact that there is probably more color and more life than any other Fallout game before this one. I think because the map is so big, there are a lot of different areas with different types of environments. Like when I was in the beta this weekend, um, I stumbled into like this a abandoned radioactive mine area which is super cool and like the whole ground looks like there's lava coming out of it but it's actually just like crazy radiation there's a lot of different types of environments scattered throughout the map and that's kind of what i thought that fallout 4 was lacking was that and it sounds weird to say this about a fallout game but it was just so monotone and so brown um (laughs) Previous Fallout games like Fallout 3, like that's a very gray and green game. But I feel like that had a lot more character to it still. Like it was just a more memorable experience. And Fallout 4 just did not feel memorable to me in the way that even Fallout 76 kind of does. Again, I think the huge map size has a lot to do with that. But there's just a lot of really cool things to see on the map. Jenna and I streamed it last week and uh, we went to go find Final Pam, who apparently is... <laughs> paid homage to in the game and um she she lives near this huge abandoned amusement park with like a huge roller coaster and and stuff like that is like what i remember from these experiences in the environments and i just thought that fallout 4 lacked a lot of that yeah i will say there was one quest that i did while we were playing in the amusement park where i had to put on the outfit of a worker at the amusement park Uh, And I had to go around and check the amusement park games to make sure they were still functioning. Uh, And the first one of these was a hot dog eating contest. (laughs) But but because it's the post-apocalypse and these games are very old, they were spoiled hot dogs. So I had to, as quickly as I could, eat a bunch of spoiled hot dogs. And they messed me up. Like, they messed my character up and made her nauseous. And that was so... I, cheeky is the word that comes to mind. It was such like a, a cheeky little prank that the game played on me. And it was very fun and very memorable. And I, I agree. I feel like Fallout 4 didn't quite have that same sort of punchiness to some of the quests. It almost felt too serious in a way. Yeah, I can I could, see that. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. My, my favorite, I, I played a little bit of the very first night of the beta. My favorite moment came right as I left the vault. Also, my my least favorite moment came right as I left the vault. But anyway, I, I ambled down this mountainside here through this forest, this very green, very lush nighttime forest. There were maybe a couple of glowing mushrooms around. But then I came across this little hut and I, there was a banjo 
And there was a mouth harp there. And I just, I had a little sit with myself. And I, I plucked my banjo tunes and enjoyed the camera angles there. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is nice. And then I went a little further. And that's when I found my first audio journal. I'm so intrigued by the amount of effort that went into these holotape recordings. What have you guys found out there in the wasteland? So I'm not a huge fan of those. Um, oh, no. yeah, I, or audio logs in general in games. I understand that it's kind of necessary for the story in this one since all of the NPCs are dead. Um, Very much so. But I think also because I, the beta has been running for such a limited time, I've tried to focus less on the story and more just like leveling up and getting a lot of stuff done. So I, I typically grow very impatient when I'm listening to those <laughs> and kind of like move on after a while. Oh, gosh. I, I felt very similarly. Also, I've noticed that a lot of the audio tapes are very long, and I keep having tapes getting interrupted by me finding other tapes. So, <laughs> like, so tapes will have to be, like, I'll pick up a new audio tape without thinking about it, and it'll cut off whatever story I was listening to for another one. And that just kind of keeps happening. Hmm. So my, my, I mentioned it earlier, my least favorite moment uh, did come like immediately after walking out of the vault door, like step one, and there's some dude next to me just prattling into open voice mm. chat. How have the other vault dwellers that you've encountered been, ladies? Like, what's this community shaping up to feel like and to be like? Well, I'll say at least at least one time, well, there have been a couple times where I have been overrun by enemies or other people have been overrun by enemies and we come to each other's aid on the street and then just sort of go our separate ways, which is, I, I think, great. I, I, if if the community stays like that, it would be great. I've also had, I had a PvP battle because I was climbing up a hill to go to a quest outside of the Flatwood City and this dude just appeared out of nowhere with a machete and started hitting me and yelling at me through open chat. Uh, <laughs> He was very, he was very much like, this is my mountain. Get off my, he was like role playing a mountain man. God. And I started running and I have, I took one of the AP perks that allowed me to run faster, better, longer. And so what ended up happening is this weird Benny Hill-esque chase scene where I would run and I would be just a little bit faster. So he could not catch up with me. And he was still yelling on open mic and he would, he, he, he transitioned from being like, I'm going to kill you to, hey, come back. Wait, where are you going? Why are you running? I, let me kill you to, to being like, this has gotten awkward now. I am still going to run you down and kill you, but you, this is so unpleasant and I don't like what's happening. And it's like, you, you could choose to stop at any time. And eventually that got so annoying and boring and I had other things to do in game that I just turned and fought him and he killed me. But he didn't loot. When you die in the game, you don't lose any of your stuff except your junk, which is actually – I like that because I'm not losing all my guns and armor and starting from nothing. But you do actually need the junk a lot because crafting is a much more important component than in the past rather than finding things. Mm -hmm. So it was annoying. But he didn't loot my my body. I think the the paper bag that drops when you die, I think mine was obscured by a bush. Mm. So he killed me and then left – and I picked up my stuff and went along my way. I did get my paper bag stolen once, which was annoying. But mm. I think I've also accidentally picked up someone else's before I realized what it was. So yes. I can't exactly blame them. <laughs> I have not had any bad PvP encounters, but I do think the way that it works is interesting. So if if somebody starts attacking you and you don't hit back, 
and they end up killing you, like it does a very small amount of damage. But if they keep at it and they kill you, then they'll become wanted. And then they basically are able to take excessive amounts of damage from anyone else in the game, like anyone else on that server. So it's really in people's best interest to not randomly attack other players who have clearly shown no interest in like the PvP (laughs) aspects of the game. I mean, there is a pacifist mode that you can turn on where you like no damage to other players. I think it's probably wise for everyone who doesn't care about PvP to have that turned on by default. But in general, I mean, again, there haven't been a ton of people in the servers that I've been playing on, but everyone, like, I've had more good experiences than bad, for sure. I I would agree that it, it, there are, because it's open world and because there are quite a lot of enemies, it's very easy to walk into the wrong camp and, and get overwhelmed with enemies. So I think the game is very much encouraging you to come to other people's aids. Uh, so it, I, I think it is set up for an encouraging of good player conduct. Yeah. Technically, how has the performance of this thing improved as the beta has gone on? It's a very short, almost sudden feeling <laughs> beta before this thing goes live. So does it feel like it's getting more stable? Like, Are, are you confident in this launch, ladies? Um, So I've been playing on an original Xbox One, and I actually have not had any technical problems at all, really. Um, The past couple of times I've played, there has definitely been some lagging, like if I'm in a particular area or something. But I I don't know if that's the game or if it's just my system showing its age. Uh, I know some other people like Russ was playing it on Xbox One as well. He also has an original Xbox One and he was having a lot of performance issues. So I'm not totally sure why um, why it seems to be kind of hit or miss for some and not for others. But um, truthfully, I mean, for a Bethesda game, I really have not had nearly as many problems as I was expecting to. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I haven't. I I also have not had very many issues. The only thing that's come up that has been like, well, this is a a little game breaky, is that Simone and I found the Grafton monster and decimated it because we're great. And before we could go down and loot its body, it respawned. Oh. Oh. Uh, So it was clearly like a special event. Um, So we killed the second Grafton monster and, and did not dally reaping our rewards. And then another Grafton monster spawned and we just sort of left. Uh, so that's that, that's the only thing that I've experienced that was sort of like, well, this is a little game breaky. The only thing I've really noticed changing is that there seems to be more and more wildlife. Hmm. That's the only like visual change that I've noticed progressing. Really? The oh, so they're like adding yeah. some more AI or something into the into the mix to kind of as they scale it up. Yeah, basically, I feel like the first time I played, I saw maybe one possum. A three-headed possum that was scurry, scurried away from me when I showed up. But more and more, I'm seeing, like, uh, weird electro-toads. Huh. Uh, yeah, and more Brahmin and stuff. I wonder if that depends on the area that you're in. Because I noticed the last time I played, there was a lot more ammo, which has been notoriously super scarce throughout yeah. every beta session I've been in. And I, I don't know if that was, like, the area that I was in, which was a new kind of further off-the-map section 
or if that's just something they added, because I know that's sort of a common problem that people have been having is that the ammo is super scarce and the bobby pins are super scarce. And also they changed. Can we talk about the lock picking for a second? Yes. Because they changed the way that it works. And it's so hard now. <laughs> and it's, it's so much harder. Like it's harder. And I think I like it because there's definitely more. It's weird. It feels like there's more skill involved, but also more luck involved. Um, like you can easily break a bobby pin through through no fault of your own. So I'm, the way I'm familiar with it, there, there's like a radial thing and you're using one stick and the other stick. Like, how does it work now? So it, it works the same way now, except you'll get resistance right from the get go. So huh. previously, if you were on if you were like in the right area of the lock, there would be no resistance. And then once you start getting resistance, that's when, you know, that it's it's not in the right area. Now there's just resistance constantly. Sometimes the resistance gets like a very tiny amount harder. And that's when you know you're kind of on the wrong track. It's 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 a little hard to describe, but it's there's just a lot more resistance in general now. And the second you you hit that harder resistance, your bobby pin will break immediately. Hmm. So it's a lot. It's a bit more trial and error, I would say. Yeah, and I I like that. I I think once I get used to it, I'll like it more. It's a little frustrating now because, as you've said, bobby pins are hard to come by. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think all of the resources are a little bit harder to come by. It's harder to find ammo. It's harder to find caps. Everything just seems a little bit more scarce. Yeah, I'm curious if they'll start repopulating the map with more of those once once the game actually goes live and there's way more people on. Because, I mean, I know those resources respawn after a while, but I imagine if there's a ton of people in a certain area that there's going to be nothing left for you even by the time that stuff respawns. Like, things will just be even more scarce. It's so interesting the way that they're trying to bring people together, but then the PvP system and the loot system incentivizes you to to spread apart again. It's so strange to me. <laughs> I think they definitely, I mean, I think you are definitely supposed to be playing with friends uh, and, mm. and teaming up with people. It, it, it definitely is more economically sound. So the the camp system, I don't know if either of you got to, to mess around with it very much. Well, I didn't even mess around with it all that much in Fallout 4, to be honest. I mm -hmm. set up some turrets. I, I added the resources that were needed to complete the basic quests. <laughs> I kind of made a storage area for all my power armors. But tell me about this building and this, this crafting and this camping system in, in Fallout 76. So you've got this camp system. You can deploy it pretty much wherever you want, uh, which is handy. And I, I sort of thought it would be more like the the only touch the best touchstone I have for this is Chrono Trigger, where you had tents that you could set up pretty much anywhere, and you just healed, and then you packed up the tent, and it it wasn't a very elaborate thing. It, it was something that you were constantly setting up and taking down to 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 heal your stuff. Camps feel less like that. It feels like you're supposed to really set it down in a place that you think is good and defensible and leave it there. And then days later, when you're further along exploring such and such an area, if you're like, I really like this area better, I'm going to move my camp here. Uh, because it does, it costs money to move your camp. And it doesn't hmm. cost a lot of money, but because camp caps are so rare, 
it actually does. <laughs> it, the The economy of caps in Fallout seventy six is different from the earlier Fallout games. Oh yeah, and so that was that was sort of weird to get used to. So it, it is expensive to move your camp. Um, the other thing that happens is you can set up your camp. It works very much like in Fallout four, where there's you have turrets, you can plant a garden, you can build you know beds and all of those sorts of things. The moment you pack your camp up and move it, all of those things sort of go back into your camp and they're still there. You don't have to rebuild them, but you do have to like redeploy them. Do you do that individually? Like you yeah. get to replace Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So it it definitely it definitely wants you to find a spot and mark it. Like this is your territory. These are where your things are. And in fact, when we went and found the the final Pam house when Tara and I were streaming, uh somebody had set their camp up there and there was like nice workbenches and crafting stations, and it was all very elaborately set up. I want to talk some more about Fallout 76, specifically kind of the perks system. But first, a quick message from one of this week's sponsors. Hey, it's Dave, the other quality control guy. I am sneaking in here to ask you a question. You know what's not smart? Sword fighting with Zorro. That's what my dad used to say. <laughs> anyway, do you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash control to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., and that rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a 1,000 reviews. Right now, quality control listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash control. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash control. ZipRecruiter.com. Say it with me, slash control. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We're back here with Tara Long and Jenna Stieber from Polygon's video team. We're talking about Fallout 76. And this time around, ladies, the, the, the perk system works a little bit differently. I got a pack of cards. I was able to swap them out. How does this How does this perk system work this time around? Uh, so that's a good question, because it took me a few hours to really grasp <laughs> the concept of how it worked. Okay. So you still have your special stats, um, but everyone kind of starts at the baseline of nothing. So you, you don't get, you know, 15 special points to spend at the beginning. As you level up, you get to choose a special point uh, to put in one of your special categories. And then from there, you end up picking a perk card. They give you a choice of like three or something. And then I think, I don't know exactly how frequent it is, but I want to say that maybe every five levels or so, you also get the option to open a new pack of perk cards that just basically gives you more options to choose from. What I think is really interesting about it, and I think they probably had to do this because of the multiplayer aspect of this game, is that you can now switch perk cards out whenever you want. So even if you don't end up choosing a perk card, you can kind of always go back and and swap out for it later. So like my perception stat will have multiple perks for that particular slot in my special strip? Exactly. It, oh. It's almost like... It's almost like Hearthstone in a way where you have like a certain amount of of mana or points in each special stat and each perk card is worth a certain number of points. So if I have five points in my luck stat and I have a bunch of 
of luck perk cards. Some are worth one point and some are worth two points. I can kind of combine those in a way to where they all add up to five. Oh. And I can I can swap those out at will. So like charisma, obviously, it doesn't work the same as in previous Fallout games because there's no NPCs or no human NPCs you can really talk to, uh, which is previously what those would have gone to. So now the vast majority of them go to helping out uh, or improving a lot of your team stats. If you want to like play the game with other people, um, then you're probably going to want to put some points in your charisma stat. How have you been using the the various perks cards, Jenna? So I so I pl- started playing on Xbox, and then when the PC beta went live, I switched to PC. So my Xbox setup was very much what Tara is describing, where I went charisma heavy because I knew I was going to be playing with Simone, and I sort of wanted to see what bonuses you could get from that. Uh, so I got I, I took perks that were like you get extra XP if you're in a group uh, and things like that, which was really beneficial. Then for my second character in PC, I did more of a resource-focused build uh, because, as we've mentioned, the ammo and bobby pins and all sorts of other resources are a lot more scarce. I went ahead and and took cards that were more focused on, like, luck scavenging. Uh, And in fact, I, I at one point, I had the find more ammo card, and I bought a second buy more ammo card, and you can merge those cards together so that they're one card worth two points instead of two cards worth one point each. But then my luck was only at one, so I could not re-equip it. And I, I found it's easy to have, if you're not careful, it's easy to have spots open that you have not bought perk cards for because you're too focused on one kind of build. And that's sort of like leaving money on the table. Uh, if you have if you mm. have two perception, but you don't have any perks to drop in that two perception, it, it's not really helping you the way it needs to be. Interesting. I have not encountered that situation yet, but I do. I have noticed that I have an abundance of like perception cards and I have not really built out my perception stats very much. Yeah, I think it's because the perk card deck is really important because you're going to increase your special stats, I think, more than you'll get the cards, the the one per level card. So Mm -hmm. you really need those perk packs to fill everything out. Yeah. But they're random. So if you happen to not get any perception cards... Then you then you have this hole in in your in your build out that that leaves you a little bit weakened. Yeah, more reason to go out there and and, and kind of grind away at the environment and look for more stuff and level up. Yeah. One other big change I, I forgot to mention it earlier. It's the Vats system. How mm. on earth does Vats work when when there's other players in the game? You can't pause the game and and pick out a target, can you? So that's a functions almost like an auto aim now where it doesn't it won't slow down time or anything. You can still use it when you're in combat, but um a special perk card equipped that lets you target certain limbs, it will just kind of target the entire enemy. Um it's good if I would say like the situations where I've used it most have been uh like really fast moving ghouls or something that are attacking mm. you where it's almost like too, they're almost too close to you and they're moving around so much that it's hard to like get a like actually aim your gun at them. In those situations, it's very useful. From far away, I found it it's actually much easier to just try to kind of get your own headshot in without the use of vats. Um, it weirdly seems easier in this game. 
I think there's maybe more of a combat scope or something on the particular weapons that I'm using. But in previous games, I, f- I felt like I really depended on VATS for all of my combat. And and this go around, I, I find myself using it much, much less. I found I'm using melee way more often mm. a- as sort of a direct result of this. Because in previous Fallout games, I have been more VATS heavy. Um, and I, I usually dump a lot of my, my skills and stats into making my vats hit harder and faster and, and renew faster and do more damage, that sort of thing. But that is hard. It's harder to focus on a skill quite like that in Fallout 76. And it's just not as rewarding. And also just to conserve ammo. I've just I've been doing a lot more melee than I've ever done in a Fallout game. So I know that we're going to be covering this game quite a bit on the video side of the house. We're going to be writing a ton about it over in the newsroom as well as it goes launch. Are you are you excited to play this thing in your free time, though? I am. Yeah, yeah I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping I can get some friends together and really dig into having a group of people actively coordinating on exploring an area, because I think that would be really cool. That's awesome. Well, I, just, I more than anything, I just want to thank you both for taking the time today to chat with us about Fallout 76. You've kind of, you've really informed me. I, I didn't spend all that much time in the beta, but but now I kind of want to dive into the live game. Thank you so much for the time today. Of course. Thank I you. am always happy to talk about Fallout. Yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks to you at home for listening today. It's a, it's definitely the busy season here at Polygon. We've got stories on just about every game that you can imagine, including plenty on uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, that little cowboy game you might have heard about, but also some great interviews and, and analysis pieces from last weekend's BlizzCon. Until we've got another game to talk about, this is Charlie Hall for Tara and Jenna. Thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, quality control listeners. I'm Ross Froschick, and I want to let you know about a new season of the History of Fun podcast available now. In the past, we've gone deep into the hidden backstories of the things you love from Neopets. He was a huge Scientologist. <laughs> With the power of Dianetics guiding him, he signed mm. on as CEO of Neopets. To Happy Meals. So, the first toys weren't great. They kind of sucked, but it doesn't matter because, wow, you're getting free surprise random toy in your your food. To Toys R Us. Well, before he became Jeffrey, he looks... Well, actually, I think it was the first version of Jeffrey also is, like, very animal-like. Like, it's like, oh, you're a giraffe. For this new season, we're diving into the strange world of holiday traditions. Like, where did trick-or-treating even come from? Or how about the origins of the mighty and terrible anti-Santa, Krampus? Join the history of fun for a weekly jaunt guaranteed to warm up your holiday season. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.